0: Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, let's just take a moment. God, that song is still ringing in our hearts that we are here today to uh, worship you because of who you are. And uh, all we can say is, wow, uh, who are you? Uh, oh, you're the one that loved us before we were even born and, and before we were held in the arms of our mother or our father or our grandmother. You had already held us in the loving arms of heaven. Uh, who are you? You're, you're that one who has been with us in those moments when life didn't make sense. You're that one who has been with us in those moments when we were so full of indescribable joy we just couldn't contain it. You're that one who came out through us when all that was coming out of us were, were tears, tears that you gathered in your own heart, those tears that you turned into prayers. Who are you? You are our God, our Creator, the lover of our souls, and uh, we want to know you more so we can worship you more, so we can be more like you, and, and in a world with, with bombs and destruction and and home invaders, that You would be a God who would create a new and powerful force of love that would begin to change this world for You, for good, for love. We worship You because of who You are, our God, our Creator. Oh, speak to us now, and um, at this moment take uh, the reflections of my heart and make them the reflections of our heart and make them the reflection of your heart, that we all might worship you and become more like you. Amen. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you just have to say, what in the heck was that? You know, maybe you've had a date like that, and you you get home and it was like, what happened? (laughs) Or uh, those moments where you go into work expecting it to be a normal day and your supervisor calls you into the office and says, um, we no longer have a position for you, and you say, okay, what was that? <laughs> what, what, what's up with that? God, what are you doing here? <laughs> God, this doesn't make sense. I found myself thinking about this... Um, because 11 years ago, next Sunday, is the first time I shared a message with you. And uh, you called me to be pastor. And I think during my initial visits, you like hid all the cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually moved here in July. And my mother was here helping me in my apartment. And I remember the first time I saw what you, what you euphemistically call a palmetto bug, like walk into my living room. <laughs> So I threw this big Nelly fit, and then my mother comes in, and she throws a Nelly fit. These are like the biggest, hairiest cockroaches I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like going, what was that? (laughs) You know, what do you do? Do you like ride them, or, you know, what's up with these things? Just saddle those suckers and go for a ride. Um, Those moments where we say, what was that? How did I end up here? And 11 years later, I'm still here. And it's like... (laughs) like, God, what's up with this? How does it, how does it all work out? And, and this is exactly what's going through the mind of Paul today. In our Scripture today, Paul is looking at all the stuff in his life and saying, what's up with that? Now, there's a what's up with that sort of event that precipitated all this. The church in Galatia is having some problems They're having some confusion, and Paul is trying to help them make sense of their life, and so he's talking about his life, and he's having one of those what's up with that sort of moments because if you look at your Scripture, you'll see that Paul is recounting the places he's been in his life. Samaria, Jerusalem, Damascus, all over the place. It's like all over the place. Now, if someone had told Paul early in his life that he was going to end up in Syria he probably would have told them they were crazy. Just like if someone had told me I was gonna end up in Houston, I would have probably thought they were crazy. I loved Seattle and California and Kansas City and Washington DC and Richmond and the places that I've been. I never thought I'd end up in Houston. But those things happened to us. And it happened to Paul. And so Paul's looking at all of that and then suddenly it occurs to him But in all these unpredictable moves and unpredictable moments, God has been at work. So what's up with that? God's at work, even when it may not appear like it. I mean, Paul was raised in a very strong religious tradition. He was incredibly devout. And in his day, the idea of, of Christ was a totally alien concept, so his initial reaction when he began to hear about Christ followers was, you've got to get rid of them. They're a threat. Paul's like, what's up with that? Well, well, these people are dangerous. So Paul actually was behind the killing of some of the early Christians because he couldn't imagine that God was in work at work with something different, something different to his culture at that time. It wasn't until he had another one of those what was that sort of moments on the road to Damascus that he realized that God was at work in people who he never presumed God could be at work in. I think that's a message for our culture today, isn't it? That there are people who cannot believe that God could embody gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender people. So they have to fight us, just like Paul fought those early Christians. And yet I know that I see God in you. And eventually, just as Paul was given a greater revelation, so as we bear witness to Christ, our community and our world will receive a greater revelation. That God is at work in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. Oh, how I wish I could have met the Apostle Paul. I wish I could have heard him tell this story. And maybe in a way I have. The one person I met in my life who reminds me most of the Apostle Paul is one of my mentors, Reverend Larry Urich. He was pastor of MCC in Washington, D.C. And I'm probably in ministry today because of Larry Yurig. And he was like Paul in so many ways. He was kind of stubborn at times and a little strong-willed at times. It could even be a little bit whiny and pouty at times. Um, but oh he had a call and oh he had a mission Um, I wish I had a picture of him to show you because he looked a little bit like the lion from the Wizard of Oz (laughs) big jowls you know that would kind of shake when he talks sometime Um, but oh he was courageous unlike the lion from Wizard of Oz uh, Larry was courageous and uh, he was honest and he taught me so much about God about ministry and about life. Pastors sometimes have these moments where we've been working with the Scripture all week and the message for Sunday is still not coming together. And Larry, despite all his gifting, also had those moments. And there was one week in particular when Larry was looking at the Scripture and nothing was coming. And it was getting closer and closer to to Sunday. So Larry began to panic. And he needed a resource beyond himself so he went back to the resource that had gotten him through many difficult moments. The potato chip. <laughs> he went down to the corner market to get a potato chip bag to help get him through. And uh, right next to the potato chips was something he'd not seen in a long time. It was one of these children puzzle books. And something just compelled him to pick up this children's puzzle book. He didn't know why. He just knew he was stressed out and needed to get back to, his, to the comfort of his childhood. Potato chips and puzzles. <laughs> so he took that back to his office, and he opened up the puzzle book. And the first puzzle he came to was one of those connect-the-dot puzzles. So he started to work that puzzle. He saw that one was down here, and so he drew a line from one to two that was up here for some reason. And then three, it was all the way over here and up, so he did the three. And then four? What's four doing over here? So he ran all the way over to four. And then it was time for five. And he was just sure that five should be here, but five was there. And he was very tempted to draw that line immediately to five. Then he thought, and six is over here, but, but six should really be over here. And he found himself trying to redraw the puzzle. And then it hit him. All these dots that don't seem to make sense when you just look at them on the page, actually, when you draw them together, create this amazing picture. Amen. Amen. And then it hit him. That's what God's like. That's what our journey looks like. This may not seem to make sense right now, but in the big picture, it will. Just keep connecting the dots one by one and don't give into the temptation to draw the picture your own way. Let God draw the picture with you, together. Cooperate with God. Cooperate with the Spirit. And then see what God designs and what God creates. And that's exactly what Paul did. We have a God who is connecting the dots of our life. And that's the work of the Spirit. And if this morning you're looking at a dot, maybe a diagnosis, maybe a difficult relationship, maybe an addiction, maybe a compulsion, maybe a fear, then go ahead and embrace that dot for a while and see where it may take you and see how even those scary dots become a part of the picture that God's working out. It's called the spirit life, and it comes through so clear in today's Scripture. So what is this spirit life like? First of all, this spirit life is a life of transformation, transformation beyond our own means and ability, but transformation that God really works in ways that surprise us mysteriously.
1: Paul offers us a look into his spiritual journey. Paul's journey was a journey of coming to life, spirit life. He was transformed By the love of Christ. God takes all the stuff of our lives to bring about transformation. The scripture from Galatians shows the ways in which God brings transformation to our lives. Paul, the former destroyer, proclaims the faith that he once tried to destroy. We can now live the gift of the new life in Christ. We can now live the transformation brought by Christ. We can now trust God to transform us through difficulty. We can now trust God to transform us from addiction. We can now trust God to transform us through the gentle encouragement of the Spirit during discouraging times. God works in each of our lives. As we know from the life of Paul... God's love changes us, reshapes, and reforms us. We become new creatures in Christ.
0: Mm. Oh, God could work with anything. <laughs> Even that person sitting next to you who maybe drove you crazy this morning. <laughs> Whatever stuff you have in your life, God can work with it to bring about transformation. Transformation. God uses everything, even the stuff that we create, even the messes we make. God takes it and immediately begins this transformative process. That's the kind of God God is. God of a spirit life is a God of a transforming life, taking everything in our life and leading it to transformation, and what this also means then, because God can take all this stuff And do something amazing with it? It means that God is not a plan B sort of God. What this means is that the spirit life is a plan A life. How many times have I heard someone say, you know, I really had a great opportunity here, and then I I started sloughing off on the job, or I was too overwhelmed, and I didn't do the job the way I meant to, so I guess I'm going to have to settle for plan B. Our God brought this wonderful person into my life and everything was going great, but then, you know, I flipped into my old patterns and I messed it up, so now I'm going to have to settle for plan B. How many times have you heard someone talk about plan B? God is not a plan B God. (laughs) This is what I believe happens. I believe that when we mess up, because we're human or for whatever reason, that God immediately begins to think of a new plan. That God might say something along the lines of, all right, I had something really great for you here, but I have something great for you now. Yeah, I, I, I love you unconditionally, so I'm going to work with whatever you create to make it beautiful, I'm going to take your mistakes and your messes and rework them into a new plan A. Simply follow and listen and then see what I'm going to do. Why? Because I love you this much. I love you so much. I want you to have a plan A life. Because I'm a plan A God. I'm not about plan B. So God immediately begins to rework our stuff. Now, Maya Angelou has this wonderful writing that talks about how God takes all the stuff of life and turns it into a powerful plan for all creation. This is great stuff.
1: I believe that the Spirit is one and is everywhere present, that it never leaves me, that in my ignorance I may withdraw from it, but I can realize its presence the instant I return to my senses. It is this belief in a power larger than myself and other than myself which allows me to venture into the unknown and even the unknowable. I cannot separate what I conceive as spirit from my concept of God. Thus, I believe that God is spirit. While I know myself as a creation of God, I am also obligated to realize and remember that everyone else and everything else— are also God's creation. This is particularly difficult for me when my mind falls upon the cruel person, the batterer, and the bigot. I would like to think that the mean-spirited were created by another force and under the direction of something other than my God. But since I believe that God created all things, I am not only constrained to know the oppressor is a child of God, but also obligated to try to treat him or her as a child of God. My faith is tested many times every day, and more times than I'd like to confess, I'm I'm unable to keep the banner of faith aloft. If a promise is not kept, or if a secret is betrayed, or if I experience long-lasting pain, I begin to doubt God and God's love. I fall so miserably into the chasm of disbelief that I cry out in despair. Then the Spirit lifts me up again, and once more I am secured in faith. I don't know how that happens, save when I cry out earnestly, I am answered immediately and am returned to faithfulness. I am once again filled with the Spirit and firmly planted on solid ground."
0: I think the Holy Spirit is really using Maya here because I think we do have this tendency to look at some people and say, because that person is a bigot, or because they're cruel, or because they're an oppressor, then that's a plan B person. (laughs) She is saying here that we are called to treat everyone like a plan A person, a child of God. And it's through our witness that those people who are on plan B at that moment can move towards that plan A approach to life. I love how she also challenges us to take those plan B moments that we might have, those moments of discouragement in a day, and draw on the strength of God to get us back on the plan A, the power plan, the peace plan, the guidance plan, the life plan. This week, I had a wonderful, powerful experience. I had a chance to visit with a friend who I had not seen for 20 years. It was a girl I actually dated when I was at Mid-America Nazarene University. And uh, sometimes when you've not been with a person for 20 years, they can look at your life and see things that you wouldn't see because they can see the full perspective. And as I was giving her a tour of our church and the people that work here, at one point she said, you know something, Dwayne? I now see that all the stuff that you did in college and all the stuff that we did together as friends was preparing you for this moment and for what you're doing now. I didn't take any religion classes. I didn't take the kind of things that you'd expect would prepare you for ministry. And yet she could see that God was taking all of that stuff to connect the dots that make this picture. God is at work in powerful and mysterious ways that maybe we can't see. And here comes the big why. What's God up to in all of this? God is up to connecting all the dots that Christ might be revealed. So here's the deal. The spirit life is a transforming life. The spirit life is a plan A life. And then ultimately, the spirit life is a Christ-revealing life. We're talking about mobilizing ourselves as a congregation to fulfill Christ's purpose, for life purpose. Well, the life purpose is revealing Christ, revealing that love moment by moment. When the spirit moves in our life, then every step we take is a step that reveals Christ. In a minute, Janice is going to share with you a little bit how we're connecting the dots as a congregation and how God is working through each of you to save lives. But think today about the difference that you make in the world. There was this great saint. The story was told of her that she so embodied the Spirit that the angels came to her and granted her any wish. They asked her what her deepest wish was. and She simply said, "'My only wish is to do great good in the world.'" without even knowing what good I've done. So what the angels did is they put healing into her feet so that everywhere she stepped, life was left behind her and healing was left behind her. As she walked through brown fields, everywhere she stepped, they came to life and flowers and grass bloomed. When she went into a place where the people were discouraged, as she walked through that place, she left spirit prints of encouragement, and the atmosphere in that place was lifted. When she went into hospitals, every step she took was a step of healing, and people were miraculously cured. It's a wonderful story, and it reminds us of our deepest calling, that every step we take, from point one to point two, to point three and beyond. Become a spirit print for the big picture of a God who makes plan A and transforms our world through spirit life, our life. Amen.
2: On Monday on Monday night, the uh, finance ministry team met. Um, we're trying to um, kickstart the budget cycle so we can present a budget to you in the uh, fall sacrum. We talked about a variety of things like the uh, upcoming external audit on our financials and the need for a debt reduction capital campaign, and we talked about some upcoming fundraisers and our goals around stewardship. And it kind of left me wondering the next morning, what really is this finance ministry all about, and the goals of resurrection, and what, um, what, what is really the mission of it. And so I took an accounting approach, and I decided to do just that, do an accounting of the, invest, the return on your investment of your lives and your giving. And this is what I found, my little research project. <laughs> on Tuesday, I heard sweet sounds of laughter and music as they were flowing from our gathering place. I got up and followed my nose to the grand aroma of a fine spread, and the owls were gathered there, and they were hugging and singing and enjoying their life, giving social time. On Tuesday evening, I was surprised by the same sort of approach. There was um, life coming alive right here on this campus as I looked up and saw several people coming for the AA support group. And then before I knew it, I could hear laughter and music again as the gospel ensemble began to gather for their rehearsal. On Wednesday and Thursday, our AIDS benevolence, general benevolence, and food pantry gave life-giving financial resources of over $1,000 to keep the utilities on for those in need. And we provided groceries to over 10 families. Many of those individuals, it was simply their last hope. And then on Thursday night, we finished part two of a three-part curriculum. It's called Creating the Lives that Matter. And the 25 participants opened up their hearts and their lives to one another and and ended that as we began to break for the summer. And at 9 o'clock, you know, I let them go, and then I began to secure the building, and I go out to my car at 9.45, and over half the class is still gathered in the parking lot, opening up their hearts and sharing the faith that was built during that evening. And then on Friday... I couldn't really believe my eyes, but I got a phone call early in the morning and was told to go turn on the AC in the, the activities building. I walk over there, and there was a handful of beautiful lesbians who were, <laughs> who were very busy hammering, sawing, and painting and designing the float for this year's Pride Parade. And I cannot tell you that that float how much life-giving testimony it will offer to this community. It will tell people that there's a place where God's love still prevails over fear-based religion. And then Friday night, four of our volunteers, four of our members, attended a Hatch Prom. This is where over 100 or close to 100 LGBTQ youth gathered, and they received from our four members travel mugs with the Resurrection MCC logo on our website. And they were greeted by these individuals and in their lives and they gave testimony that Christianity and homosexuality are still not opposing forces. And then finally, on, on Saturday, I opened up this email. I tried to do this without crying. On Saturday, I opened up this email. Dear Pastor, I wanted to write to tell you that resurrection has saved my life. I have wanted to come for several weeks, but I was simply too afraid. I believed the lie that I had to choose between God and my sexuality. But then God led me to resurrection, where I heard the message that Jesus loves me, yes, all of me. Can you please tell everybody there that I'm so grateful that I have found home in resurrection? I can't wait for Sunday to continue the healing and reconciliation of my faith. Y'all, that was just a week of healing and wholeness that the gift of your life offer. And I even tell you that we had two holy unions and one rite of blessing where three couples came together and said yes to their relationship and yes to God being a part of it. This is a place of healing and hope, and so I just ask that never, ever look again at what you put in that offering plate as a dollar bill, but to look at it as a life saved. Look at it as life-giving grace, God's grace. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the awesome privilege for which you give us to be Christ revealed on earth. I know you've called each one of us to feed this community who is so hurting and lost. Help us to help them. Help us to accept this responsibility to give of ourselves. Use us, guide us, lead us. And as we offer you these gifts, multiply them to be the life-giving salvation for only which you can give. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen.